0: Psalm 4, to the chief musician with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, Who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Okay, we are in Judges 7, 1 through 8. This is entitled, Gideon, Judge of Israel, Part 5. Uh, Before we get into that, though, I want to explain last week's typology again so you remember what we talked about. It was Gideon with the fleece. And in that sermon, we showed that the fleece was wet at first, right? (laughs) Everything else was dry. That is when the world at large was under the law of Adam. The dry, the word dry harad, is uh, basically based on the word, uh, or it's identical to the word horev, which is the mountain of uh, the law. And so we'll think of law. So the rest of the world is under the law of Adam. They're all condemned. Only Israel is receiving the dew. And you want to think of life, the water of life. Okay. He wrung it out to prove that Israel under the law was saved. But what's happening now is the gospel, Gideon, has been introduced. All of the world has due, and people under the law do not. In other words, if you are clinging to the law, you cannot be saved. But if you're looking for the grace of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Everybody understand that typology? Okay, we got a new sermon today, which is Judges 7, 1 through 8. This will not be resolved today. It's just uh, part one of like two or three parts of this particular chapter, but we'll get information and eventually the typology will be resolved. But for right now, Judges 7 and it's verses 1 through 8. Then Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Harod. So that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. Now, does anybody remember what Midian pictures? The judgment, judgment, tribulation period. Okay, place of judgment. (laughs) And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, This one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was three hundred men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the three hundred men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. I typed this sermon on 27 November 2023. Does anybody know what week that was? Thanksgiving Thanksgiving week. Yes. Oh, it was wonderful. Thanking the Lord for his wonderful word in 480 BC, the battle of Thermopylae occurred. It is noteworthy because of the bravery and fighting prowess of the 300 Spartan hoplites who so valiantly fought in the battle. Their deeds are legendary and their bravery was seemingly unmatched in ancient history, but their battle was not as remarkable as the one recorded in Judges 7. What occurs in Judges 7 is carefully detailed for us in scripture. But to imagine the thoughts of the men who were asked to engage the battle is beyond our ability they had a view from the top of a hill that allowed them to look out over the entire army they would face it would have seemed utterly impossible for 300 men to last even a few minutes against this massive army much less prevail over them but the lord called them to the task and he personally made the selection concerning who would fight and who was excused from the contingent that had been originally assembled. Truly only trusting in the hand of the Lord to prevail explains how anyone would go forward to meet such a vast and terrifying force. Our text verse today comes from Hebrews 13. It is verse six. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me in Christ? Not being afraid takes on a completely new meaning. Not only can we trust that the Lord will save us in this life according to his will, but we can trust that he will also forever deliver us from death. It is one thing to be promised, you won't die in this battle today. And it is an entirely different thing to be told, if you trust in me, death has no power over you forever. Unless the rapture happens, all of us will die. But that is not the end of the story for believers. Because Jesus prevailed over death for those who trust him, they too have prevailed over death. What happens to our earthly selves is not consequential in the bigger scheme of things. Unlike whatever was on the mind of the soldiers under Gideon, we can trust that whatever comes upon us will be a temporary blip in our continued stream of existence. This is the marvelous hope we possess. Cling to it and be confident in it. Such great truths as eternal life are proclaimed for believers in jesus in god's superior word and so let us turn to that precious word once again and may god speak to us through his word today and may his glorious name ever be praised i have just two thoughts for you today the first is who is fearful and afraid it's verses one through three the sign of the fleece ended chapter six however chronologically the passage here follows after judges six thirty-five, prior to the ending of the chapter It said there, Then all the Midianites and Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, then he blew the trumpet, and the Abizarites gathered behind him, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. Now Gideon has been apprised of the Lord's intent concerning the law versus grace in the sign of the fleece. The words of chapter 7 follow in a logical way beginning with verse 1, then Jerubbaal, that is, Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early. The order is jumbled by the New King James Version, thus tarnishing the emphatic nature of the words. This should read as two separate clauses by Yishkem Jerubbaal. Hu, Gidon, ha'am asher ito, and rose early, Jerubbaal, he, Gideon, and all the people who were with him. Here the name Jerubbaal, let Baal strive, is given prominence. It was introduced in verse 632 as an honorary title to Gideon, cutter, because of his actions taken against the altar of the Baal, upon which rested the image of Asherah. It is Jerubbaal who is said to have risen early. Along with him were those who were willing to engage in the battle directed by the Lord. After having arisen, they set out for the battle. Verse 1 continues and encamped beside the well of Harod, rather, Vayahanu al Ain Harod, and encamped above Spring Harod. The name Ain Harod means spring of trembling or spring of fear, coming from Harod. To shake or tremble with fear. The name is certainly derived from the events now taking place. This will be seen in verse three. Rather than encamping beside the well, the men encamp above it on a hilltop that overlooks the entire valley below. Today, this spring is found in Mayaan Harad National Park to see it in a modern video go to the youtube channel sergio and rhoda in israel and find the video entitled gideon's cave and the spring of herod in it these two intrepid youtube trekkers discuss the details of the very battle that is outlined in judges seven also one can get a sense of what the layout of the land is like verse one continues so that the camp of the midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of moreh in the valley. Without checking, the translator followed the same error as the King James Version. As Jerubbaal is the leader, the words focus on him alone, speaking in the first person singular. And Camp Midian was to him from north, from hill, the more in the valley. The hill of More was north of Gideon's location, with the camp of the Midianites lying in the valley. Midian means, as you noted, place of judgment. As seen in previous sermons, the word Safon, north, signifies that which is hidden or treasured away because the north receives less light in the northern hemisphere. The Givah, hill, carries various connotations in scripture. But the main connection in typology is that it is etymologically connected to Gabbatha in the New Testament. Givat ha-more, hill the more, means hill of the teacher. More comes from yara, to throw or to shoot. One throws to hit a target. <coughs> Thus, it is like instruction, where one teaches with a particular goal in mind. However, the word is identical to the noun more, the early rain, there's different rains in Israel. The early rain is what this describes. That is found only in Psalm 84, six and twice in Joel 2, 23, a passage that refers to the end times. Be glad then you children of Zion, then rejoice in the Lord, your God, for he has given you the former rain, the more faithfully. And he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain, more, and the latter rain in the first month. Another cognate word is also used for the early rains, yore, that is found in several Old Testament passages. Both words, more and yore, are derived from the same root, yara. Thus, they both carry the idea of instruction. The name givat ha more has a secondary meaning of hill of the early rain. It cannot go unnoted that James, an epistle directed to the end times Jews following the church age refers to the rain cycle and directly associates it with the coming of the Lord from James 5. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. Is at hand. Finally, the Emek or valley refers to a deep, broad valley, a depth. With the layout described, the Lord has a word for Gideon. Verse 2 And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. And said Jehovah unto Gideon many the people whom with you for giving Midian in their hand as will be seen in the next verse there are 32,000 with Gideon however the Midianites are said to be as numerous as locusts in verse 712 and comprise a combined force of 135,000 that's in verse 810 thus it is greater than four to one in total number Gideon must have sarcastically thought, yeah, right, I get that. But the Lord next explains to him why there are too many. Verse two continues, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Pen, Yitpa'er alai Yisra'el le'mor yadi hovoshiyah. Lest over me Israel to say, my hand saved to me. Of these words, the pulpit commentary rightly states, It must be remembered that this whole movement was essentially a religious one. It began with prayer, Judges 6, 6, and 7. It was followed up by repentance, Judges 6, 27, and 28. And the great purpose of it was to turn the hearts of the nation back to the God of their fathers. The Lord himself therefore graciously forwarded this end by making it plain that the deliverance from their oppression was his work and his only. Before I go on, I'll tell you that the tour guide when I was in Israel, Zvi Ravai, wonderful guy, now dead. He said, this is exactly what happened in 1967. They had unbelievable odds against them, but not so much that it was possible that Israel could beat them if they were cunning and uh, adept at what they were doing. And they did. And they claimed victory without giving the Lord any credit. And he said, we were judged in 1973 because we failed to give God the glory. That was his analysis of it. I accept it. Had the entire force of 32,000 that came with Gideon gone to the battle, they could justify the victory as coming from their own hands and not the providential hand of Jehovah. Not only is this likely, but it is the normal conclusion of those who engage in such a battle another story i believe it was the battle of tours i may be wrong on that but uh the they won despite overwhelming odds and the people were out there bragging at the end of it and one of the commanders came through and he said if anybody takes credit for this they will be executed because to god be the glory and they all picked up singing that song but The people had cried out to the Lord in Judges 6, 6, and therefore his response was intended to get them to realize that he alone could provide the victory that they had failed to secure up until then. In their crying out, God would respond, but only in such a way that his hand, not Israel's, unmistakably provided for their salvation. Verse 3, now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people saying, whoever is fearful and afraid... And now, proclaim, I pray, in ears the people to say, Who? Fearful and trembling. This is where the spring received its name, Harod, coming from Harad to tremble with fear. Here, the adjective form, Hared, is used. The Lord first weeds out any who were originally willing to go, but who were now afraid to do so. After seeing the humongous force scattered over the entire countryside, their initial bravado was seriously lacking. Thus, they trembled at the prospect of the battle that lay ahead. Therefore, the Lord says, verse three continues, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. The first verb is a Joseph, like a implied command. Yashov v'yitzpor mehar gilad He shall depart and flit from Mount Gilead. The Lord gives an implied command to have any fearful warriors return home. It is similar to the injunction given through Moses in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 20, verse 8. The officers shall speak further to the people and say, What man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. In the words of this verse in Judges, there is a verb found only here in Scripture. safar. Of this word, Strong says, perhaps depart. The BDB lexicon says, dubious. In other words, its meaning escapes them. However, it is rather apparent when considering its root, a primitive word signifying to skip about. From there, the word is cognate to tsipar, a bird, tsephardea, a frog, as well as many similar other words. Hence, it means something like flit, leap, hop, skip, dart, or something like that. Today we might say, he shall turn and skedaddle out of here. To keep it close to the thought of the bird, which is spelled identically, I translate it as flit. As always, a har or mount is a lot of something gathered. It is synonymous with a large but centralized group of people. The Gilead means the perpetual fountain. There is a seemingly insurmountable problem with the words from Mount Gilead. Now Gilead is on the other side of the jordan because of this some say it is an error in the text ellicott ever ready to provide help gives us several possibilities he says the expression has caused great difficulty but the hebrew cannot mean to mount gilead nor yet beyond mount gilead the only tenable solution of the difficulty is one to alter the text into mount gilboa which is a mountain right there, that's clericus, or from Mehar, from Mount, to Mahir, speedily, which is suggested by Michalis, or two, to suppose that Mount Gilead was a rallying cry of the Manassites in general. For Gilead was a son of Abiezer. That's in Numbers 26.30, where Jezer is merely an error, and hence was derived the name Gilead of the Transjordanic district, which fell to the half tribe of, yes, Manasseh. If this be a true conjecture, the phrase, let him depart from Mount Gilead, means let him leave the camp of Manasseh. One more conjecture is that Gilead is an ancient name for Gilboa. That's Schwartz who suggested that. We well, can see that people want to just change the text to correct it because God doesn't know what he's talking about. Don't listen to them. As such an obvious blunder in the text would be incomprehensible, Ellicott's submission that this is a call to leave the camp of Manasseh brilliantly and correctly identifies the intent. In Judges 6.15, Gideon was identified with the tribe of Manasseh. In Judges 6.35, it said this, And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. Manasseh is the main tribe by which the army is identified, just like the film industry is noted as Hollywood. It's a metonym for one for the other. That is what is being seen right here. Mount Gilead is being used as a metonym to represent Manasseh. With his directive heard by the people, it next says, verse 3, and 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. More than two-thirds of those who heeded the original call could not bear up under the prospects of what lay ahead. Therefore, the Lord graciously instructed them to hightail it out of there. (laughs) However, more will need to depart to further whittle down the numbers. Who is fearful and afraid? Whose heart is failing at the sight? The word of the Lord you have not obeyed. He asks you to trust, no matter the plight. The Lord is our helper, let us not fear. He is with us through day and night. He is ever-present and always near. He asks you to trust, no matter the plight. The forces arrayed against us will all be swept away. Through our faith in Jesus, we are again right with God. Oh, glorious day. Our second thought today is, as a dog laps. It's verses 4 through 8. Verse 4. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Vayomer Yehovah El Gidon Od Ha'am Rav and said Yehovah unto Gideon still the people many. The fact is that 10,000 brave warriors can do much more without any fearful men than 32,000 most of whom are fearful. That was seen in Moses' words from Deuteronomy 20 verse 8. Lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. Cowardice breeds cowardice and bravery Breeds, heroes. When they went to the battle at uh, Iwo Jima, they said that uncommon valor was a common virtue. These people were brave. They saw that people were being brave and they followed suit. Unbelievable. That's what happens in wartime. No cowards, you'll do better, okay? (laughs) Therefore, verse four continues, bring them down to the water and I will test them there for you to send them unto the waters and i will refine them to you there the lord introduces a new word to scripture saraf it signifies to smelt thus it means to refine purify or purge the Lord will personally refine those remaining brave warriors into a single, unified, and lethal fighting force, but one too small to accomplish what they are called to do without His guiding hand. Being fearful or trembly does not necessarily mean one is cautious, responsible, or physically and mentally prepared for a task. Thus, the Lord will refine them to suit his purposes verse 4 continues then it will be that of whom I say to you this one shall go with you the same shall go with you and if whomever I say to you this one shall not go with you the same shall not go the decision was not left for Gideon to make rather the Lord will determine who goes the constant stream of discourse from the Lord to Gideon implies that the Lord is actively speaking in his ear Whether this was audible or otherwise, step-by-step instruction is being conveyed, which Gideon understood it to be from the Lord. Having heard these words, next says, verse 5, so he brought the people down to the water. And he descended the people unto the waters. The army was above the spring, as noted in verse 1. Now they have descended to the waters to be tested. From this vantage point, they could not see the entire valley where Midian was situated. Watch that video I cited earlier. You'll be able to see that. Verse 5 continues. And the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Yahova el min hakelev. Tasik lebad and said Jehovah unto Gideon, All who laps in his tongue from the water, according to laps the dog, you shall set to separation. The Lord introduces another new word, lakak. It is an onomatopoeia, meaning to lap. If you are fortunate enough to have a dog, or two, or seven, or now in our case, eight, you can readily hear the sound when they come to the bowl to drink. Any one of those who lecocks the water is to be set apart. Also, verse 5 continues, Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And all whom crouches upon his knees to drink. I'll tell you right now, that verse that I just read you, the previous clause and this clause that I just read, Sergio says, are just indiscernible it means nothing. So you have to wonder why the Lord is doing this. And so I sat down and I analyzed it and we talked about it a little bit. And I said, the answer is right here in these verses. We read it together at a barbecue last week sometime. I went over to visit him and he was having a wonderful. Oh, it smelled so good. Anyway, so we were talking about it. These are very difficult verses, but they are not indiscernible. Okay. Anyway, those who crouch down to the water, resting on their knees to drink, are likewise to be separated. There is a ton of conjecture on what is being conveyed here. That's why many Bibles will paraphrase it, and they'll add in all kinds of words to try to make it sense, because it's very complicated and doesn't seem to make any sense at all. Josephus and others think that those who lap are the faint-hearted. Others take the opposite view and say those who kneel are faint-hearted or even foolhardy, not paying attention to the possibility of an attack. Rashi stupidly says that those who went to their knees were secret idolaters who had bowed the knee to Baal. It makes no sense at all. But nobody knows why these words are here. So they're like, we got to make up something. And the Jewish side is going to say, well, obviously they're just bad Jews. Okay, there you go. Actually, none of these get the point. The faint-hearted have already been winnowed out. All have been called by Gideon, who was specifically named Jerubbaal. Thus, they already know that Gideon has taken the sight of the Lord. It may be true that those who got down on their knees were not mentally attentive to the dangers, while those who brought water in their hands to their mouths to lap were being cautious. But even that is conjecture. Plus, and here's the big one right here, with 10,000 men, if you watch the video, you'll see what I'm talking about. It hardly mattered because they would be drinking at different times. So there would always be people observing the area. It's not a problem. Anybody can do whatever they want at the water because that is not what's being focused on. Rather, the Lord is making a point in the use of his words. Dogs lap, felines lap, and ruminants, cattle sheep antelopes and so on lap all are mentioned in scripture however he has specifically identified the dog it is obviously a great choice for those who love dogs but that is beside the point the dog has consistently pictured gentiles all the way through caleb his name means dog he has pictured gentiles all the way through the typology of all of the sermons anytime you see a dog Gentiles. That's all you need to think of. My friend in Ireland had to email me and he got that part right. It's the dog. There's something that's identifying them. It's the dog lapping. As I said, cats lap and they are not considered here. Okay? The typology, the dog has consistently pictured Gentiles. The typology follows the Gentile church age in chronology. Israel had rejected the gospel while the Gentiles just drank it in copiously and carefully. The sense then is that those who drink are doing so like gentiles those warriors who lap like the dog are next identified verse six and the number of those who lapped putting their hand to their mouth was three hundred men vehi ha malakim be el pihem ish and was number the lappers in their hand unto their mouth three hundred men to conclude that these were the most cowardly bravest most alert and so on because of lapping is to insert way too much into the text in order to get water to lap they would first have to either crouch down and then stand back up remain down on their haunches kneel down which it says they did not or lie down facing the water and pull the water to their mouths with their hands which actually seems like the most likely option the words do not tell us which is the case If standing as opposed to kneeling was what defined them, which many claim, then there would be no need to say that they lapped like dogs. The words depend on the description in relation to the animal. Therefore, the only distinction that can be made is that some lapped like the dog and some knelt. Lapping like the dog, being a Gentile, is what defines them, nothing more. Or being like a Gentile is what defines them, nothing more. As for the others, verse six continues, but all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Before I go on, does everybody understand now how important typology is? Because nobody has ever come up with the equation that dogs are Gentiles in the typology. Uh, You know, I got that back, I don't know which sermon, but it was a long, long time ago, and it has consistently opened up every single passage that we have gone through perfectly. And now we know why they did this, because nobody that I know has ever come to this conclusion ever, but it matches what is going on in the redemptive narrative. Verse six continues But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. And all remainder of the people crouched upon their knees to drink water. The meaning is probably that they got to the water, got down on their knees, and plowed their faces directly into the water without using their hands. Verse 7, Then the Lord said to Gideon, V'yomer Yehovah el-Gidon, and said Yehovah unto Gideon. Again, it can be seen that the Lord is speaking to Gideon, probably directly rather than by a prophet. It was something that occurred immediately as well. If you want to see an example of that and how it comes about, Go see the story of young Samuel in the sanctuary with Eli the high priest and he's called and he he doesn't know who's talking to him, but he knows there's somebody talking to him. He goes and asks Eli, what do you want? He says, I didn't call you, go back to bed. He does it a couple times and finally Eli wakes up and he's like, oh, the Lord's not speaking to me anymore. He's speaking to that kid. Go back and when you hear the voice, respond to him. Yes, Lord, your servant is listening or something like that. Just as the Lord spoke to Deborah, so he is conveying his word to Gideon. An example of this is found also in Isaiah 20. Here it says, and it happened before Isaiah had gone out to the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer and I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. Isaiah just left Hezekiah. He walked out into the court and before he'd even gotten through the court, the Lord speaking to him. How it happened, we don't know. It may have been in his head, it may have been external, but only he could hear it. We don't know. But that is what's happening with Gideon. Verse 7 continues By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. In 300, the man, the lappers, I will save you and give Midian. In your hand the whole point of the process has been to get to this place the numbers now are 450 midianites to one israelite those with the trait of the lapping dog yes are set apart from the rest it is these otherwise impossible odds that will reveal the power of the lord 300 is a multiple of three and ten. Three signifies divine perfection Expanding on that, Bollinger says, the number three, therefore, must be taken as the number of divine fullness. It signifies and represents the Holy Spirit as taking of the things of Christ. Think of this. Think what Gentiles have done for these 2,000 years and making them real and solid in our experience. It is only by the Spirit that we realize spiritual things. Without him and his gracious operation, all is surface work. All is what a plain figure is to a solid. Of the number 10, Bollinger says, completeness of order, marking the entire round of anything, is therefore the ever-present signification of the number 10. It implies that nothing is wanting, that the number and order are perfect, and the whole cycle is complete. As for the number 450, which is certainly intentional, even though it's not in the text, it's certainly intentional concerning the odds it is derived from 5, 9, and 10. 10 was just explained. 5, Is the number of grace. Nine is the number of finality or judgment. With these incredible odds set before Gideon, the Lord next instructs, verse 7 continues, let all the other people go, every man to his place. And all the people let go man to his place. The others are not even given the choice of joining, instead, they are directed to depart. There was to be no deluding the intentions of the lord through some brave or reckless souls instead he has set forth the parameters gideon is the one to lead the minuscule force onward to the lord's victory verse 8 so the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands and he sent away all the rest of israel every man to his tent the words are difficult due to the change of person and some unusual verbiage Et Seda Beyadam Ish Yisrael Ish And they took provision, the people, in their hand, and their shofars. And all man, Israel, he sent man to his tent. Scholars get upset with the wording and amend it in various ways. Some have even written pages of commentary about the words I just read, as if they are completely indiscernible. Such as unnecessary. The meaning is: I, this is my breakdown of them for you. And they, meaning the 300 set apart, took provision singular. The people, meaning all of the army, the whole army is set in the singular, in their hand. And there, meaning all the army, shofars and all man Israel, other than the 300. He, the Lord through Gideon, sent man, the 9,700, to his tent. If you look at it, it does make sense. It's a little hard to read, but it makes sense. There was the general provision of the army, belonged to everybody, which had been brought by all of the people. The Lord directed those going to the battle to take from that general supply what they needed for what lay ahead. Even though the original is sparsely and somewhat cumbersomely worded, it is clear enough that it should not cause one to lose sleep from there the rest of the army was told to depart to their tents as for the others verse 8 continues and retain those 300 men who and 300 the man strengthened the lord strengthened the 300 men for the challenge ahead either directly or through gideon this statement is probably anticipatory of what it will say in verse 11 even though the words of verse 11 are all in the singular gideon represents the whole it says there but if you are afraid to go down go down to the camp with Pura your servant and you shall hear what they say and afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp with that noted it next says verse 8 finishes with this now the camp of midian was below him in the valley And Camp Midian was to him below in the valley. The Camp of Midian is set in relation to Gideon. The 300 went back up to the top of the hill above the spring where they were encamped. It is from that location that the valley is clearly seen. The entire army of Midian resting within that valley would be visible. This would explain the reason for needing to be strengthened. Once the 300 had ascended the hill, seeing the vast army loaded with supplies spread out as far as the eye could see, they might have to begin to question the sanity of remaining to engage the battle. Unlike in the Battle of Thermopylae, the army was in an open valley, There was no protective or narrowed place to form a defense. It would be like a single battle tank going onto an open field against 450 battle tanks. Without the Lord, it would be utterly impossible to engage and prevail in such a situation. As for the contents of the entire battle, there's the rest of this chapter and 21 verses from the next to find out the details. But we are already beginning to see the story come alive in regard to typology. The Lord is using interesting nuances within his word to tell us not only what really happened in the past, those 300 men really went against those Midianites. Whether you believe that or not, that is a historical fact. It is recorded in the word, but they are being used by God to show us something else. Okay. This really happened in the past, but also why he directed things to occur as they did. The selection of particular words, actions, phrases, and so forth are all begging us to ask why. If he had said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a lion laps, you shall set apart by himself, the story would have taken on a completely different aspect. The same is true if he had used a sheep or an ox as his example. It would have made a completely different story. Does everybody see that? Because that is absolutely true. The lion has its own typology in scripture. The ox has its own typology in scripture. And the sheep has its own typology in scripture. The Lord chose the dog. Yes, the dog. (laughs) Then instead of saying Mount Gilboa, which is right there in the vicinity of the spring of Herod, he included the name of a mount that lay a significant distance from the area in a completely different land grant. Why would he do that unless he was giving us typology? Instead of calling the text into question and accusing the copyists of error, they are to be complimented for not changing the text to what would on the surface seem to be a much more logical translation. God is painting stories of other things with the brush of his words on a canvas of time and location to tell us wonderful details about what he is doing in the history of redemption. Through this approach, we can weed out all kinds of theological error and more firmly establish why we believe what we believe. The adjective used in verse 3, chared, trembling, is used only six times in the Bible two of them are found in isaiah 66 one of my favorite passages in the bible it's on the back of this card if you want a charlie garrett only uh business card there you go somebody grab that it's right on the back of it thus says the lord heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool where is the house that you will build me and where is the place of my rest for all those things my hand is made and all those things exist says the Lord, but on this one, I will look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles, chared, at my word. Instead of doubting the word, calling it into question, dismissing it as a book filled with error or corruption of the text, we should ask why it says what it says. God has painstakingly and meticulously laid it out for us. He has carefully watched over it for thousands of years. Don't trifle with the word. Instead, cherish it. We are being told wonderful stories of great things. This is the message of the Bible. Great things because of God. 300 men will take on 135,000 men, and they will prevail in this battle because God is with them. The Lord God of Israel. And if you call on Jesus, If you believe the simple message of Jesus Christ, the Lord God will be with you. You may have troubles in this life. I'm not a prosperity teacher that's going to tell you you'll get rich if you give the church money or that if you call on Jesus, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and happy for the rest of your life. I don't think anybody here feels that way. There are a lot of people I hear from time to time that fall into ditches and break open their body or, you know, hurt themselves or have cancer or something else. That's life. But he is on our side to give us eternal life because he has already gone before us in the person of jesus christ to live the life that you and i cannot live and he gave that life up in exchange for our sins what a great god to say i'm going to take what they've done wrong in my perfect holiness and i'm going to grant it to them in their complete unrighteousness what a god what a creator to do this for us I can never get over the message of Jesus. It is such a great message. So call on Jesus today by believing the simple gospel. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose again. If you can accept that premise, you are saved, and you will be saved for all eternity, dwelling in the presence of the most holy God. Thank God for Jesus Christ. I got a closing verse for you today, which is also from Isaiah 66 to give you the second of the two uh, uses of hared hear the word of the lord you who tremble hared at his word your brethren who hated you who cast you out for my name's sake said let the lord be glorified that we may see your joy but they shall be ashamed the whole world is coming against the message of christ the whole world the entire jewish nation is against it right now and they're gonna have to go through a terrible time pictured in these sermons before they get it and before they're refined and purified and made white. And it will happen. A lot are going to die in the process, but when it's all over, Israel will prevail because Jesus is with them. Yes, they will. He will return to them and he ain't coming until they call on him. He said it himself in his own words. You know, Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stoned the prophets, how I have longed to gather you as a hen gathers its chick under her wings, but you would not let me. Behold, I tell you, Jerusalem, the seat of power in Israel, you shall not see me, Jesus Christ, me again, until you say, Baruch Haba Boshem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's up to Israel for him to return to his people. And it will happen. The Bible says it, and it's going to happen. They're not right with the Lord. I'm not one to ever say that. But I keep them in prayer because they are not right with him. And someday they will be. Thank God for the faithfulness of God in Christ. Next week is Judges 7, 9 through 20. Isn't it fun? Such a story to tell. We will see new tricks. It's entitled Gideon, Judge of Israel. Part 6. Woohoo! 23rd Judge's Sermon. Thank you, Jay. That was great. I'm sure our friend in Ireland heard that. He's probably very pleased about that. His name is Enda. Great guy. The Lord has you exactly where he wants you. He has a good plan and a purpose for you. It is he who judges his people according to their deeds. So follow him, live for him, and trust him. And he will do marvelous things for you and through you. Okay? Uh, Once again, I don't have anything. It's been so busy the past couple weeks with all kinds of things coming up and going on that I uh, don't have some something for you but i will give you something if you get this question from i'm being cheap here from my friend in california i will give you a lemon which is in the back <laughs> basket so when you leave get one of his tasty lemons and if you uh, uh get the question feel satisfied that you got that for getting a question Thank okay oh there's candy uh, back here still on the table okay they brought stuff from uh, iceland so go back before you leave if you want some Iceland candy. It's all there. And um, thank you, Mary Lee, for the birthday cake. I haven't had any, but I hope somebody saved a piece for me. And uh, here's the question: uh, This was not my question, okay? Um, yeah, yay! Yeah, she says this is from the the cards. Um, what is the name of the well? Raise your hand from which the Samaritan woman was drawing water. Jacob's well. Jacob's well he raised his hand I heard a couple others but I I, I went like this well I'm not listening I had to see the hand so very good Jacob's well um, that is correct um, what a wonderful passage John 4 is I mean absolutely wonderful okay uh, Jesus said that he was the Messiah in that passage you know I who speak to you am he there are people in this world that deny that Jesus is the Messiah we got him in Christian circles that stand up in the pulpit and say he's not the Messiah okay he is okay um, here we go we got a poem and then we'll take the Lord's Supper and we'll be done uh, this is entitled Gideon judge of Israel part 5 then Jerubbaal, Baal that is Gideon and all the people who were with him a whole load rose early and, and camped beside the well of Harod so the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them there they did rally by the hill of Moreh in the valley and the Lord said to Gideon the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, see? Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My hand, my own hand, has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart. So I have proclaimed, at once from Mount Gilead, and 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. But the lord said to gideon the people are still too many bring them down to the water and i will test them for you there then it will be that of whom i say to you this one shall go with you the same shall go with you if he dare and of whomever i say to you no this one shall not go with you the same shall not go so he brought the people down to the water And the Lord said to Gideon everyone who from the water laps with his tongue as a dog laps you shall set apart by himself likewise everyone who gets down on his knees to drink all of those chaps and the number of those who lapped putting their hand to their mouth was 300 men but all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water and so it was then the Lord said to Gideon by the 300 men who lapped I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand let all the other people go every man to his place so you shall do so the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands and he sent away all the rest of Israel every man to his tent back home to his Naomi or Sally and retained those 300 men now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley Lord God Turn our hearts to be obedient to your word. Give us wisdom to be ever faithful to you. May we carefully heed each thing we have heard. Yes, Lord God, may our hearts be faithful and true. And we shall be content and satisfied in you alone. We will follow you as we sing our songs of praise. Hallelujah to you, to us your path you have shown. Hallelujah. We shall sing to you for all of our days. Hallelujah and amen. Heavenly Father how grateful we are to be in your presence as the redeemed of the Lord because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I'm so thankful for this congregation, all the people here today, whether they're online or whether they're right here sitting with us, that tremble at your word. They find it as a fearful thing that they understand their fallen state, and yet they understand the glory of what is revealed in it that tells us that we are redeemed because of the blood of the perfect Lamb of God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for that. And we do tremble in your presence because you're a holy and awesome and fearful God. And yet at the same time, we can come to you to the throne of grace and lay our petitions before you because of Jesus. What a great God you are. How wonderful and glorious you are. We thank you and we praise you in his beautiful name. Amen. Amen i do hope that i didn't make any cat lovers upset today but the lord picked the dog for a really good reason we uh my our most recent one came about a month and a half ago somebody in the projects that we do mission work with not a person in the projects but somebody we do with uh got a poodle a, a poodle us he got a poodle um that um uh, a lady with Alzheimer's had. And so they had to get rid of it. And she took it and she found out that that dog liked her husband and not her. And it had to go. And I said, yes, I'll take it. So I have a dog that absolutely, he'd get on top of me and just lick my face until it hurts. He's licked all the skin off. Very nice little poodle, but I can't believe we own a poodle. So. Doesn't fit with all the chihuahuas, I'll tell you that. But he's, he's adapted well they've accepted him except for Pishnai, who doesn't accept anybody (laughs) yeah so all right there you go that's the story of the dog and you and i i mean i sergio's not here today so it's we're all dogs today folks and we love the word of god we lap it in like water that's you being pictured in those verses think of it think of the typology i mean nobody's got i've never read any commentary ever that just simply went and said well what's the difference between everything else that's said here because the words don't make any sense in hebrew they just stop and you're like why he's telling us about a dog that's what's going on so and we've got a granddaughter just walked in the door this is really a sweet communion now